I'm Maria Schwartz, along with my co-hosts tonight, Pat Ralph and Rachel Galligan. Welcome to the WNBA Insider Show. Each week, we cover different topics important to the W, using X's and O's, along with key stats. We bring honest and critical analysis. We're still getting settled into the offseason, but I want to make sure everyone can quell, can calm their concerns. Rich Galligan is still part of the team. She has not left us for greener pastures yet. Um, she is the Hoff, so we do pay our respects to her. We're going to have a fun one, but first I'll let Pat and Rachel uh, say hi to the team, or hi to the crew. That's typically when one of you talks and says, hey. <laughs> I thought Rachel, I was unofficially seeing the floor to Rachel to go first. I was talking, but I was on mute, so therefore it didn't work. So there you go. Oh, my gosh. Uh, go ahead, Rachel. Raw and uncut. <laughs> I'm happy to be back. I'm excited. Um, yeah, let's talk some hoops. Yes, good to be back. So we're going to have fun on this one. The offseason is an opportunity where we get to cover some topics that, you know, maybe we didn't get to dive deep in enough about or even shed some light onto. And we got a lot of really cool overseas stuff uh, in the works for it. We just finished a little team meeting talking about it. But right now we're going to have some fun. So starting on a positive note. Favorite moments of the season. I'm going to let Pat go first with his favorite moment of this WNBA season 2018. Pat. I think favorite moment of the season was, um, oh, there's so many good moments to choose from. It's so hard. Um, I would say for me, my favorite moment was, uh, I can't even, I, as I'm saying, it's so hard to choose. Um, wow. Give me a minute. This is why we do it raw and uncut because there's so many good stuff to choose from. Um, I'm going through my head now, and I would say that mm, does does the playoffs count? Yeah. Okay. 2018, man. All right. Playoffs count too. Okay, good. Um, I would say for me, I think that Phoenix, Connecticut playoff game was – that was my favorite game of the season. Just how good it was. It went back and forth and it was so much fun watching. You were just on the edge of your seat the whole time. I would go with that game. That was outstanding to watch from start to finish, just punching back and forth. And one team would go on a run. The next team would respond. And that was just a legendary game that Phoenix ended up winning. But I would take that. Uh, that's not a bad one. Rachel, you're up next. Mine is difficult. Cause I'm, as I'm sitting here listening to Pat ramble on, I'm getting ones in my head that I'm remembering. Um, obviously, I'm not going to surprise anybody out there with this one, but uh, the Liz Cambay shifty three-point performance um, was epic, um, historic, and obviously I'm a huge fan. I loved it. She's incredible. 53 points is amazing, and it brought a ton of publicity and attention and, and all sorts of positivity to the league. But I also want to go out and say – come playoff time when Sue Bird went off and completely took over in that fourth quarter against Phoenix. Um, that was one of the most um, remarkable performances. I think we saw all year, especially from someone like Sue Bird down the stretch in, in, in that arguably that, that, that was the finals as some people are saying um, that was incredible. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I was going to give that an honorable mention because for me, I, focused in on this one and shut down everything else. Like I didn't even think about anything. I didn't want to get caught up in it like you guys did. Uh, mine has got to be the Tiffany Hayes steal and half court shot or loose ball recovery, whatever you call it, and half court shot to win the game against Connecticut. That was, I, I, I mean, I, I was speechless for so long. That was just an absurdly amazing play. Um, 
Moving on to something we might get a little flack for. Most unpopular take of the season. And I'll go first on it because I, I know mine's going to get the most flack. So, hey, I'll go first. Asia Wilson's rookie season overrated. And now before you start sending asbestos to my house in the mail, let's talk, <laughs> let, me, let me explain where I'm coming from. Asia Wilson had an amazing season. All right. I'm not taking away from that. But because of the fandom of South Carolina fans and a lot of people supporting her, she's great and she should get it. And Don Staley and all that. I get the storylines. But did she score the most points as a rookie in WNBA history? No, that's Simone Augustus. Did she win or get close to winning MVP of the WNBA? No, because there's only one rookie who's ever done that, and that's Candace Parker. So, yes, Asia Wilson had an amazing season. But to all those people who made me feel like they were trying to say she had the greatest rookie season of all time, I say nay. Rachel, you're up next. You're so ridiculous. You know that, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. My um, okay. most unpopular take. This is a really random one, but and I don't even know that it's necessarily unpopular, but I'm going to go, and it, th- these were one of the te- this is one of the teams that I covered um at depth this year. And that was the Indiana fever. Um, when the fever decided to sign Cappy Pondexter, um, and then he in turn shortly thereafter was inserted into the lineup. Um, instead of Kelsey Mitchell, there was some, some back and forth there as to, Oh my gosh, why, why, why would they do that? Why are you taking minutes from a rookie who, you know, there's a, there's a lot of different ways in which you could look at that. And, um, I was a big fan of it. I thought it was a great move by Pokey Chapman and the organization um, from a lot of different fronts. Um, but I think the majority, um, with, with my pulse on the, the issue, the, the majority was kind of against that and wondering why was Kelsey Mitchell, you know, um, a lot of her minutes were taken away from that move. Um, so my unpopular take is that I was actually in support of it. I thought it helped them tremendously. And I think it ultimately helped Kelsey Mitchell's growth down the road. Hot take. Pat, you're up. All right. My unpopular opinion is one that is going to be unpopular with fans, but probably not unpopular with people around the league. Uh, my unpopular opinion is I don't think Katie Smith should be fired. Um, I think she should be given another chance. Um, I think that um, there's a lot of people who want her fired. There's a lot of people who question her coaching, her ability to coach, and question her if she's the right person for the job. Um, and I get those concerns and I get that. The fact that the biggest change between last year and this year with the Liberty was the coach and that the roster was pretty much the same. Um, but I don't think that's fair to her. I think she deserves another chance. I think it would be the wrong move to let her go. I think at this point they're not going to let her go. I think she's definitely safe um, for another season at this point. If they weren't going to keep her, they would have let her go by now. But I think that um, – I would say that is my unpopular opinion among fans, I think, would find that uh, letting – I know a lot of them want to cast her off immediately and fire her. I would say slow down, give her another chance. Let's see what she can do next year with maybe a revamped roster that might fit better with her style of play and coaching style. All right, let's talk about this, though. Let's, Let's get into the deep. The most disappointing team of 2018 in the WNBA. I'm going first again because I want to take this one before anybody else can. The New York Liberty. And the reason I say that, I called it from the beginning. Shout out to myself. I called it from the beginning that this team was going to have a drop-off. Not because 
they weren't as skilled as they were the year before. Obviously, they were the same roster. But because you have a new coach who's trying to implement new things, it's not going to run so perfectly smooth. And every other team in this league, in my opinion, got better this past offseason. And Liberty, due to many things that are outside of her control, did not. And that is why I expected them to not make the playoffs. Did I expect them to end the season on a 13-game losing streak and just be abysmal throughout from day one to day 34? No. Rachel, what you got? All right, so this one hurts my heart to say because, um, you know, I have a ton of respect and a ton of um, I'm, I'm a huge fan and I have friends there. But my my most disappointing team was the Los Angeles Sparks. Um, and here's why. Um, well, I mean, I, I think I think probably a lot of people would agree with me. I mean, I think there was a lot going into this season to be excited about. Um, with them recently winning a championship and um, the lineup that they had. And I, I felt like, you know, this could be a year where, where they could go, go grab another one or at least be up there in the finals. And um, it was a year that was just bizarre. Um, and, and you had a lot of injuries, you had a lot of changes in terms of just the lineup with, with Beard out and Ogumuke, Ogumuke out. And so that definitely uh, played a large role into it. Um, it just felt like they could never get consistency going. I think Chelsea Gray, in in the grand scheme of it, had a disappointing season. Um, so you could kind of go across the board with the Sparks. I, I felt like they're they're better than finishing sixth in the league. They should be in the top two, um, and I felt like they would. Pat, well, you said it, the New York Liberty, and I'm going to have to agree with you. Um, you said it well. You said it best. I think people there were a lot of people like you who thought they'd take a step back. I don't think anyone saw them taking the step back that they did. Um, and they took a huge step back, um, uh, falling you know, to 7-27, only finishing one game better than the league worst, Indiana Fever. Um, this was just – it was a bad year. Um, it was, a, you know, as I said, whether you want to criticize coaching, whether you want to criticize the roster construction the, that didn't fit the style of play, um, the ownership situation, the location, that the, the gym they played in. Um, there's a lot of fingers to point at. By far, the Liberty were the most, in my opinion, I think the most disappointing team in the league this year. I think just, I, I don't, I mean, they just went, I mean, the fact that they went from having the best record in the Eastern Conference for three straight years to going 7-27 and 27 is just unbelievable and unacceptable. So that is what I would say is it's, it's the New York Liberty. Shocking that Pat brings up the Liberty. Um, but I'm blown I, away. Right? I, I do, I do want to give an honorable mention, uh, cause we've talked about this before and Rachel, feel free to rebuttal, but I got to give an honorable mention to Dallas. I mean, first of all, something that I, I, I don't know if I've said this live before, so I'm going to say it now. So I can't go back cause we ain't, we ain't editing this one. Um, the timing of the firing of the head coach made no sense to me at all. They were like on the leg of a losing streak, on like the last leg of a losing streak, about to break out of it. They obviously were in a tailspin, but it almost seemed like so much had already gone through that season that like you should have done that so much earlier. That you just waited way too long. And at that point, you probably should have just said, like, Fred, all right, you got us this far. Let's see where this ends up going. But Dallas, I mean, squeaking into the playoffs last year, then getting the the goddess herself, Liz Cambage, and then not really improving. And getting Stevens, I mean, yeah, yeah. A any anything to add? I, I'm not surprised about Dallas. I'm really not. I mean, 
I, this is about, I mean, I think we talked about it in one of the very first episodes we ever talked, you know, we ever, we ever had and, and whether it's coaching, whether it's just team chemistry, whether it's locker room issues, you just get, you just got the sense that Dallas was kind of all over the place. And it felt like that kind of early in the season. And it kind of remained like that. Um, There's no doubt there's talent, uh, but there's also no doubt there's missing pieces. And in terms of just being on the same page and showing consistency and um, that locker room culture that I think they lack there at times, that was still going to be an issue. And that was still evident. So I'm not as, um, I'm not as surprised. I didn't have a ton of faith in Dallas. And I know that's you know, kind of goes against everything I'm saying. Obviously, with Liz Cambage, I'm a huge fan. I want them to be one of the top teams. I think they have all the tools, especially if Liz comes back, to be a top team. It's just I was not surprised given um, their circumstances. That's fair. That's very fair. Uh, Pat, you want to go first on our next topic, most overachieving team of the 2018 WNBA season? Well, I think it's for me, it's the it's the champs, the Seattle Storm. I mean, this was a playoff whoa, whoa whoa rewind rewind give it to me one more time that is correct the seattle storm you heard they that over- correctly but they overachieved yes okay no hey yeah i like it i like it yes talk to because, me about it. i mean this was a team coming into the year i mean these you know this was a fringe playoff team um, I don't think many people expected big things from Dan Hughes when they hired him. I certainly didn't, and I'm on the record saying that, and I have to you okay. know, defend that. So I think this is a team we knew they had the talent. But, I mean, when you look at the season, no one was picking them to – I mean, was anyone picking them to win the title? No. Was was anyone picking them to finish with the best record in the league? No. I mean, and you know they were a fringe playoff team. Some people were even thinking they wouldn't even make the playoffs. You know, some people were saying, "I, you know, they might miss out, be one of the bottom four teams." And then look at this they 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 overachieved. I think they did better than anyone expected. They ran away with the one seed. I mean, that was done and over with by like you know immediately after the All Star break, they came out of the All Star break and just went and hid with the one seed. And they were just completely on outside of that Phoenix series where they had some trouble. They were unstoppable in the finals against Washington and just a complete, they were the most consistent team in the league this whole year. They had the best player in the league with Brianna Stewart. They had the probably arguably the best point guard in the league in Sue Bird. You know, they have Jewel Lloyd who's one of the best scoring guards in the league. You had Natasha Howard step up as a great, you know, Jack of all trades, all around player. Dan Hughes ended up being, you know, a sensational hire by the front office in Seattle that is my selection. The, the WNBA champs are the team that overachieved this year. Ooh, Rachel, who you got? I just want to bring it, bring this up real fast. How did no one bring up the Minnesota Lynx for underachieving? That's fair. Mm. That's very fair. Okay, wait. <laughs> wait, let me let me explain why. And I feel like I am the most vocal Lynx. I'm and and this I'm going at you with this. That 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 is okay. what this is. I am one of the, mo- the the most critical people when it comes to the links, and I understand why people might sitting be sitting here and saying, "Oh, he's being biased. He's from Minnesota." He, the reason for me is, and, and a reason why I completely agree with Rachel's take on LA, uh, and and obviously my own take on Liberty. But for Minnesota during the off season, I was very vocal and upfront about this. I felt like. They made some questionable calls and there was a lot of question marks that if they weren't going to be answered and answered very well, this team was just going to falter. LA on the other hand, and I apologize for constantly comparing the two because at some point we're going to have to think of other teams to compare them to, right? But LA, I just feel like they had such a similar roster 
you know, and then they add in Masha Vadiva and Kathy, which which didn't work out the greatest. But to have to have all of that and and they did what they did. And then the links who had question marks like to me, the L.A. didn't really have question marks. Minnesota had these these notable question marks. So that's my defense. Is that, is that admissible? Yes, of course. I just wanted to I just wanted to make note of that before I moved on. What was yeah. what was the next question? I forgot. Sorry, sorry. Uh, most overachieving team. Most overachieving team. Okay. I'm going to take a different route than what I had originally prepared in my mind to say. I'll leave that for you cuz I'm guessing that's the route you're going to go. I'm going to say the Las Vegas Aces. Um overachieved this season. Now, you like sit that. here, you sit here and you you look at the the final win-loss record. They won 14 games, they lost 20. Okay, like, you know, they finished ninth in the league. It's nothing incredibly impressive when you just look at it on paper. But when they turned that corner and they had that thing rolling, I mean, you remember how those how they were playing? And it was like they were the team to, you know, they were the team that were kind of they were kind of coming after everybody. Um, and you saw a young franchise in a new location with a new coach when everyone was kind of put together and they were figuring it out. They started clicking fairly quickly. I mean, I might add, I mean, it's not like it was a complete build up year. I mean, they, they hit, they started clicking at the right time They they were kind of rolling through people and heck they even had a chance to get into the playoffs had they not forfeited a game. So honestly, I, I think Las Vegas is, um, you know, a team to keep your eyes on. They're going to have 107 first round picks. So obviously they're, they're going to have some talent that continues to come in, um, in the future. And so I, I don't know, I think they overachieved this year. Um, there wasn't a ton you know, that, um, I don't think anyone was expecting a ton of greatness from them, but, um, I think for me that that's, yeah, I think they overachieved. Yeah. You know, that, that's a good take. Honestly, looking, looking at it, I think Pat and I were both, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm floored by that. That's, that's a good take. Um, I think I was, I'm going to, yeah, boom. <laughs> I'm going to go with what I thought you were going to go with. So I was preparing not to say much about this, but Atlanta, um, and not a, a not a, not a knock to Atlanta. I think we've all talked about how talented this roster is, how great they are. And in hindsight, I really like the move of getting Bentley to the team. But you have a new coach. You have a, a, a relatively really young roster um, with only like one or, uh, you know, a couple real vets uh, on this team. And they just that the, the way that they committed i guess the it's less more that they overachieved more so how quickly they bought into it cuz i think and and i want your take on this pat when when i finally shut myself up but i think i i believe that they had the ability to be good so i wouldn't say they were overachieving in that sense but i think they overachieved in the sense of we i expected them to believe in the process a lot later in the season really buy in to nikki later on uh and and that it would just take longer well, I think you're right. I mean, Atlanta, I think, was, you know, that was a team I think they overachieved. I would say number two on my list. Um, but I think, so you know. Number, I think, just to be clear, the number one and number two teams going into the playoffs, according to Pat. Right, right. I mean, Atlanta, I thought we're going to be, I mean, I thought Atlanta was going to be better. Like, I thought Atlanta could be a fringe playoff team this year. But I expected, I was like, I, if you had told me that they were going to be higher than, like, a fringe playoff team, I wouldn't have been, like, shocked. Because I figured that with Nikki Collin, I was really excited about her as a hire. I thought they'd make at least some of a jump in the in the standings. Um, but I did not see what I saw coming from Seattle. I did not see that at all coming. That's why I put them number one. But I agree with you. I mean, Atlanta really clicked this year. She turned them into the best defensive team in the league. 
and they're going to grow from this and they're going to get better offensively. And she's going to be a coach in this league for a long time and stuff. And you see what good coaching and how prepared they were. And they were one of the, they play so hard and they're so efficient and effective that this is a, that they are, it's, it's such a very good team to watch and stuff because they're so well coached. Yeah. It's exciting. Um, And yeah, it's good. I think the real thing is going to be reviewing this podcast next season midway through the next season and then we can then we can really get a sense of it well i want to thank everyone for joining us i'm aria schwartz along with rachel galligan and pat ralph this has been the WNBA insider show each week topics important to the w x's nose along with stats